This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Welcome to Inside Marketing, and this week we're talking about display advertising. I'm joined in studio by Chris Brennan, who's BD in iProspect. Welcome. Hey, Dave. And I'm also joined by Lyndon Brannock, who is a Principal Account Manager in Google. Welcome. Hi, Dave. So um, we'll talk about display advertising, and it's it's fair to say that display advertising gets a, a, a bad rap. I mean, advertising gets a bad rap generally in terms of when, when people talk about things. And it, it's probably fair to say that within advertising, display gets a pretty bad rap. And I would think about it as the original sin was about pop-ups and, the, and that model of interrupting people and kind of just annoying people generally. But I think, Chris, you um, it's fair to say you're quite passionate about display advertising. First of all, you're an advocate. You wrote a great article in the Irish Times today and you pointed out that this catch-all term of, of digital and display is too broad because it encompasses so many different things. So I think that's a good place to start. Chris, do you want to just give me your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm a fan of digital overall I and mean, overall channels that work well. But we'll want to tackle today the one that people have the most mystery about, have the most challenge with, and that's display. It can be pretty broad. It can include social. It can include video, in-app advertising. But today, let's focus on just banner display advertising. So those banner ads you tend to see on websites, and we'll kind of go from there about people's questions on that. Yeah, it's fair to say it gets a bad rap. Would you agree? Lindy, you think it's? I think it does. I think it's it's it does tend to get a bad rap. But I think when you lift under the hood of why display advertising does get a bad rap, I think you can generally find the cause, the reason, and some rationale as to what you can do to actually make display work. Mm-hmm. I think as a platform, the reach that you get with display um, far exceeds any other digital platform. Obviously, myself, I'm from Google, so I can probably talk about the Google Display Network, but in terms of the reach that we get, you're talking about 89% of the World Wide Web across all devices. So um, if you know how to work it and you work it well, I think, and I have seen advertisers get really, really strong results. Yeah, and I guess the fact that it's been around for so long, I mean, it has to be doing something right because I seem to be, and I'm in the industry, but I, I seem to have been reading for years, display is dead and, you know, it's, it's going to go away and it, it's, it's, it's a bad format. But then here we are, we're still here. Spends are continuing to grow in display. And so, I mean, I think the fact that it's still still around, Chris, has got to be doing something right, it's fair to say. Yeah, the uh, success people get from the buying display overall continues to increase. I know that in Europe, IAB shows that spending is increasing around 30% year on year over the last yeah. couple of years and continuing to, to increase. So people are seeing a value in it. Uh, but I still think there's still a lot of questions around some placements or somehow ways it's bought. And I think we'll get into that because, as you rightly point out, there's probably good reasons for a lot of the negativity around display. And we'll talk about some of those things because I think some of it is probably fair and some of it's probably unfounded. I think the criticism and, and a lot of it is probably down to just people not using it, whether that's creatively or whether it's kind of importance on messaging and probably just the industry itself and not using it properly. But just to kick off, we'll get into some of the, the negativities around it. So, I mean, there's lots of definitions. I think the IAB one is, you know, when we talk about in view, so 50% of an ad has to be in view for one second. When you think about that, that doesn't sound like it's, it's a huge opportunity to see. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Do you think that's a fair? Does that sound like a fair metric? Is that a, or to, or to be criticizing that, do you think is unfair? I, th- I think overall focusing on whether display is viewable or not, and the whole challenge of an ad getting attention and being seen, I mean, that's a challenge for any advertising of any channel. An ad may get missed uh, during TV if someone's gone to the washroom, all the commercial plays that you've bought, or in a magazine if someone doesn't turn the page and see your ad then. So viewability and being seen is a challenge for every channel to, yeah, a, to, to an extent. The great thing about display is that you actually can 
bid and buy and optimize towards your ad always being on screen, being seen as viewable, and focus on viewable impressions that also drive better results from that. You can't do that with other channels. Display has as a lead. I think one of the problems that that display has had is the fact that everything is just so measurable, which in mm. fairness then is a stick to beat results, to beat them with results on. But in terms of technology that you see, what tools have we got that can give advertisers reassurance that their, their ads are at least having a, a chance of being seen? I think the viewability metric is absolutely key in mm -hmm. in being able to be transparent with advertisers and what advertisers can expect of what we mean by an impression. And I think we're right to hold ourselves accountable to it as an industry. Mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to looking at measurement, measurement across all type of media is critical, especially in this day and age when we're looking across the multifaceted platforms that we have. Yeah. You know, this is one of the biggest challenges that we're just trying to solve for advertisers on a daily basis. One of the things that we have when it comes to display, which has been proven to be incredibly impactful, is, is the view-through conversion data, mm -hmm. yeah. view-through impressions, but it's basically view-through conversion metrics, which yeah. is essentially where we can look at how um, impactful it was by that impression yeah. until that person chooses to purchase. And I think looking at the funnel in its entirety is where display plays a really key role. I think when we look at display in silo, and generally speaking, when we look at any specific digital channel in silo, it's really hard to prove the impact unless you're really like impact efficiently, yeah. unless you're looking at a really intent-based platform like Google search, right? So mm -hmm. I think if you're looking for those additional users, those new customers, those people that may not have known your brand, you have to think, what are those people worth? Mm -hmm. But also, what does it mean when you target them with the display ad or you target them with the TV ad or a radio ad, whatever that may be? How do you then attribute that correctly to the final sale? And I think piecing together yeah. that funnel and the tech that we have now is better than it's ever been. Yeah, and it's tricky. It's a big challenge because, it, you know, again, it seems to be that digital is held accountable even relative to other digital channels. And yeah. we don't have that measurement for TV or, or outdoor, mm -hmm. for example. But then we still hear this criticism about because, and maybe it's because a lot of the attributions last click that we misattribute and display looks relatively uh, expensive then in that case. But I think, Chris, on the article you wrote, one of the things that you rightly point out is quite often that just because we can measure it, we may not be measuring against the right thing. So if you always look at a display campaign's performance on um, click-through rates, for example, or um, acquisition, well, yeah, it, it may not perform. But you rightly point out that, first of all, KPIs are, are usually not properly set at the start. And second of all, we may just not be measuring the right thing because I read an article on the IAB's website about a campaign that was done for, um, I think it was Chupi, um, and it was done, it's on their website, it's a really nice campaign about it. And it, it showed lots of things like advertising awareness increase amongst our target audience by 20%. Brand consideration increase. I think those are things that we typically wouldn't measure or look for in display. But you you rightly point out that maybe we're not setting the right KPIs and maybe um, click-through rates or CPAs should not be the benchmark. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah. So like uh, if you have a full funnel, different stages of the buying funnel across awareness and consideration down to conversion, each stage display has a different role to play. And probably none of them is click-through rate should be your main goal. Like in awareness, your main goal should be reach, viewability, impact. You can do studies for brand lift, which are obviously proven as well. Click-through rate can be used as a benchmark to maybe see how maybe more engaging in general your ads were this campaign versus last campaign, but it's definitely not a target. Mm -hmm. uh, in consideration, you're looking more at, are you getting traffic, not just to click on your ad, but actually land on your site mm -hmm. and show on-site engagement. 
Uh, and it can still very rightfully so both post-click and post-impression in the conversion stage of the funnel be part of a CPA model. And you should be able to get uh, rightful um, good CPAs from display in different markets, depending on what your strategy is and what you're selling. And if it doesn't work, then you maybe need another uh, way of looking at it or a different strategy. Uh, but there's many ways along the way that can affect each of those metrics across that funnel. You're an agency person. Do you think that not setting KPIs from the outset, is that client's fault or is that an agency's fault? So I talk about my sense that we sometimes in the bid to just get things done and churn out the, the huge requirement that we have to deliver day-to-day work and get, get campaigns live, that art of planning and proper setting KPIs. If we're going to say, you know, they're not set properly, is that an agency's fault? Is that your fault? Not yours personally. Well, yeah, yours personally, <laughs> maybe to a degree. Should we not be pushing harder back on clients to say, hang on, guys, we think if we're going to do display, we're not going to, we need to understand the role it's playing. That's a planning job. No? Yeah, I don't think it's a push versus pull thing. I think everyone kind of needs to work together to plan better, uh, to plan better KPIs and to agree on what KPI metrics are going to, or A, achievable for or relevant to any given channel and relevant to what the actual campaign brief is from the start. Um, there's no point in setting benchmarks that aren't aren't useful yeah. or driving value for the end marketing team. And at the end, they're the ones who are paying the budget, so they need to be happy with what we're mm-hmm. aiming towards. Another point you stress, and Linny, I'm going to jump to you here. Creative, obviously, it, it's not a, a digital or display thing. It's every medium. Um, but I do think the quality of creative in display is pretty bad sometimes. That's probably because the cost of the inventory is sometimes so cheap and you have to make 20 different variations of it. But how important is creative in your view? I think creative in every view when it comes to any type of media is absolutely fundamental to its success. I think you have to put yourself in the eyes of the customer and the user and think, is this something that is going to draw the attention that we're trying to trying to get as a mm-hmm. brand or as an advertiser? Like fundamentally, it comes down to what it is you're trying to drive as a KPI and how that then echoes throughout the creative um, and how best you are engaging with that user absolutely determines how that user will respond to your ad. So if you're looking at having a really engaging creative and you're looking at a KPI that is more performance-based, so you're yeah. looking to drive sales, however, you have no specific call to action on that creative you're really just asking that user to know about your brand rather than actually engage with your yeah. brand. So those metrics will essentially determine how users respond and therefore it should then also correspond to how that creative is going to be designed. Yeah, you know, we work with lots of creative agencies and I, and I think creative agencies are struggle, I think is fair to say, in terms of understanding assets required for digital first strategies. Lindy, at Google, do you work with clients in terms of helping them, you know, optimize their creative? And yeah, that kind absolutely. Of thing? absolutely. I think, you know, we understand that being able to create, when we talk about the Google Display Network, we're talking about you know, 89% of the web mm-hmm. and the kind of inventory that's available there comes in absolutely every single size that you can imagine. And whether you're looking at banner ads, or you're looking at text ads, whatever that may be, you want to make sure that your creative responds well in terms of the platform that it's going to be visual on. And it really comes down to what we've developed when it comes to utilizing what machine learning can do yeah. when feeding a machine essentially yeah. with creative assets that will mm-hmm. then decipher as to what it is is the best messaging and creative to determine to place at that time. So I think you're looking now at with for example smart display I think there's three assets that you just need to upload into a campaign now in order to be able to serve that correctly. Right, so right. and you will then be able to serve something like 
95% of that inventory that's available right. on the web. So yeah. it's been listened to. We know that that's a huge challenge. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to the basics, you can essentially decide there are three core image sizes. There's your landing page, there's your descriptions, and then essentially the smart display campaign will actually build that for you. Okay. Right. Well, so there's loads of really Lots of stuff happening. exciting and yeah. innovative things happening. Chris, I'm going to go to you for this. We've got to give Lindy a break because I'm going to talk about Google's announcement a couple of weeks back that they'll kill off the third party cookies by 2022. Um, how big an impact is that going to have on display? Uh, what's your view on that? And, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity for the industry to reset. We'd probably never have corrected ourselves had we not been put on notice. So I think it's probably a good time. I think um, this is an exciting opportunity. We have to fix it now. We have to get better at it. But what, how big an impact do you think that is on display? And do you think you will see more innovative solutions and more innovative kind of display formats even? What's your thoughts on that? It's going to be two more years before uh, cookies are cut off. For, for third-party cookies, which doesn't even count retargeting cookies, it's separate altogether, and it's just on Chrome. Obviously, it's going, it's part of a current evolution of all main browsers kind of moving towards this model. It's better for the industry or for consumers um, for more protection of their data to make sure that they have protection and rights uh, in all markets. Is it going to make it, is it be a massive game changer? I mean, it's going to evolve things. People said GDPR two years ago was going to absolutely kill programmatic, and it's been increasing still year on year by 30%. Yeah, so... GDPR just evolved planning a bit, and obviously it made everyone more accountable with how they managed and kept uh, and controlled audience data, which is a good thing. I also think the main things that could affect, as, as to be expected, would be maybe post-impression tracking and also looking into collection of larger third-party audiences altogether. It's going to probably lead to some teams or some companies falling out of the mix who aren't currently maybe doing it in building audiences or building their market in the right way. But for the most part, I'm sure Google will find a solution in the next two years to find a universal ID that can be used to still manage all attribution reporting. Uh, and I assume also um, audiences owned by Google as well. And they won't be the only ones. Uh, same thing with GDPR. A lot of other competitors to, towards Google also came out around mm -hmm. some solutions to still hold on to all the data sets that, that and made them fully GDPR compliant. So the market will continue on. Those who can't evolve will fall away, but the rest will continue on and hopefully continue to make the, the buying process, planning process, and results of, of programmatic buying better. Okay, good point. Um, display generally, we've seen lots of innovation through technology. Um, and one of the big, I mean, the promise of, of programmatic was this hyper-personalization and you know, the capability to, you know, nearly um, take data signals and give personalized messaging to every single person. That, that was the promise that it offered. Um, and there has been lots of innovation, I think, in technology to, to help with dynamic creative, real-time optimization, but even interestingly in terms of creative development and, and optimization. Open question. Anyone can take this one. What, what are your thoughts? How sophisticated is this technology? And is there any examples of things that are being worked on here today in Ireland, in Edidensu and, with, and Google with, with Irish clients? Anyone want to take that? Yeah, I think you can get quite uh, complex in as a base point, retargeting. So if you are a company like Amazon and you're selling hundreds of thousands of different products, um, you can easily create dynamic advertising in a number of different ways, number of different partners to dynamically serve people with the relevant creative that matches that uh, particular product they were looking at. And if that gets into the millions of variations, you're doing it manually, it's not gonna 
cut it. That kind of style has been around for a while. What's evolving is being able to do it in more creative ways and create being, being more bespoke in the creative designs you make to make it more uh, eye-catching, more pleasing to the eye, and more better an experience to, to uh, users along the way. You obviously, any retargeting tactic, you need to be making sure you're managing your frequency because mm, yeah. everyone, including ourselves, can get annoyed by being retargeted by an ad too many times in a day, even those who work in the industry. Yeah. Uh, so advertisers have to be responsible there. Um, but there's even new solutions for Google. They have entire ones out for dynamic video and other solutions coming out as well. Mm-hmm. So dynamic is, is quite growing yeah. quite fast. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I think what's happening in this space is so exciting. Um, I think when you look at what we had to deal with in the past when it comes to looking at what kind of signals we were doing to and looking at to optimize campaigns. Now you're looking at 70 million signals is what's been looked at when it comes to optimizing campaigns with the advancements right. of machine learning. It's taking everything from the impressions to the page to previous search history um, to the device into account mm-hmm. in order to be able to optimize your assets to be able to serve what that user or customer is searching for. Personalization, to to echo what Chris is saying, when it comes to things like remarketing, like it has to be done smartly if you're wanting users to re-engage with your brand. Mm, yeah, if, absolutely. if I'm being shown a brand that on, for it happened recently that I just purchased a pair of shoes and then I was continuously being served this ad, you know, like from a advertiser's perspective, that's a total waste yeah. of money. I've already purchased, I've created that purchase. So that's kind of, you know, where you're looking at that frequency aspect where it's really up to us as kind of marketeers to, to make sure that we're doing it properly. And that's where it can really perform really well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned retargeting because I think when we think about display, that's where I go to and you kind of um, the industry and, and people like you, Chris, abusing the technology and targeting me, you know, for those runners I looked at and, and changed means- my mind and you're following me around the web for the rest of my life. You. Um, you, we're you, reminding you how much you want those shoes. I bought them already in store. Um, so, I'm but wearing them. It is a good point. Like, it is a good point. And there's going to be problems with that because, I mean, I think the point when we when we talk about this, when you talk to consumers about advertising, um, I mean, people don't dislike advertising. What they what they don't like is irrelevant advertising. And, and that's always been uh, a bit of a challenge for people. So, Chris, uh, we've seen the rise in ad blockers um, and that kind of stuff. So people just turning off, completely blocking advertising for their lives. Is, is this as big as it's, I'm being led to believe? Or is it, I mean, I read that like 30% of, of somewhere around that number of people have ad blockers installed. Is that, surely that's a big challenge for you in, in trying to market to people. Is it going to grow? I mean, it's definitely something that everyone has to keep in mind of, both in publisher side, advertiser side. No one should be uh, any advertiser causing someone to drive down the road of wanting to block ads because they're so annoying. Um, it's definitely not ideal, and everyone needs to be mindful of that. I think the stat I saw last was it was um, UK had been to 24%, and I think Germany was like 27%. Uh, over the last couple of years, and they go up a couple of cents per year. I mean, that's still the rest of the uh, online audience that is still available to have an opportunity to reach and communicate yeah. to. So I think everyone needs to be responsible in communicating to those in a way that makes the experience more beneficial to both parties. Mm. I like to add to that. I, I totally agree. I think that people don't mind being served ads that are relevant yeah. to them. And I think there's an interesting stat, like something like 73% of people don't mind being served ads as long as it's relevant to them. Yeah. And it is all about creating customized solutions mm. that are going to serve me what serve to me what I want to see, you know. And I think that's something that as an advertiser you can really take advantage of. But at the same time, you have to be thoughtful and then in terms of how you approach it. But that's when then you're going to get the best results. 
Yeah, I think, and you mentioned this in the article, Chris, you talked about with, with great marketing power comes great responsibility. So do you think we'll have to correct, but do you think now we're, we're at a point in time where we mean at this time when we say we have to be more responsible and we will be more responsible as an industry? Do you think you're going to see big changes now? Uh, I think everyone's moving towards kind of be more responsible in how they manage and collect audience data in, in a fair way to the local public. Um, being less intrusive with ad pop-ups and being annoying in the ad formats they create. And a lot of rules have come out recently, uh, rightfully so, from publishers like Google blocking published advertisers using pop-up ads, full-screen ads on mobile, ads that you can't close properly. Uh, advertisers and agencies themselves should be responsible and not run ads like that themselves. Um, and then also from that, uh, if it comes to responsibility of results, that's totaled up again to the advertiser to, if you want better results from a channel, if you want to return from a channel and growth from what you're already doing elsewhere, mm -hmm. it's your responsibility to yeah. plan it better, buy it better, make sure you have a testing framework in place. So you're always improving, making sure that you have tech in place so that you're buying your, your inventory, both directly and programmatically safely. Uh, and you're aiming towards, um, deliverables or delivery and display that's working yeah. uh, and meeting your targets. And that's totally up to you. And it's your responsibility. One thing that and we, we chatted about this, Chris, and I, I think we disagreed on it, but we, we'll chat about it anyway. And Lindy, it'd be great to get your view. I feel sorry for Irish publishers to a degree because there's a, a massive oversupply of inventory to a degree. The industry has driven down and with procurement and with programmatic, the, the CPMs have, have gone down quite a lot. So as a publisher, you really are under pressure to, and you've got, you haven't got scale of um, UK markets. You can't compete with, with Google or Facebook. So you, you really have small numbers and you can't monetize that audience. And what I've seen, I won't name any titles, but one newspaper has literally crammed their pages with every conceivable form of banner and, you know, button that you, you can possibly imagine and clickbait. It's a horrible user experience. And I can understand why they want to get the most out of that one user because they will serve, you know, multiple impressions from, from that one visit. But that creates a really bad experience. It actually means that each of those formats don't work as well. And if I compare, like the Irish Times, I'm not just saying that because we're a partner with them on this, I think it's a really good experience. They have less clutter in the page, more impactful formats, and that's got to make the creative stand out. Do you think that publishers are shooting themselves in the foot by squeeze every last impression available out of a page? I don't think it's necessarily publishers that are responsible for this. I think any platform that mm -hmm. allows itself to advertise needs to be doing it thoughtfully and consider how this is seen from a user's perspective. If we have a platform that we are advertising 100 million messages at the same time, you know, the mm -hmm. impact of that is going to be Severely impacted. Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, if you're choosing to make that decision, I'm sure you are going to see what impact that's going to have. And mm -hmm. I think it just goes down to people choosing to be smart about how best they set themselves up for success there. There's a chance too as well. Like if if sites are are trying to choose revenue over consumer experience or their site, like especially like a major publisher, then they're the ones at risk of a, those results not working for the publisher or person buying advertising on that that page or on that the company. And also that company is also going to lose their own consumers coming back to read or review their content because it's so annoying and such an intrusive experience. So not only do they have a chance of not being bought further for advertising, but losing the audience that they had to begin with. So mm. they have their own responsibility to manage their own kind of balance of, of goals and targets between their sales and their content teams. 
got to be long-term success. You know, you have to you have to make it a space that people, your users are going to want to come back, mm-hmm. that they trust, that they believe in the advertising that's been shown on that co- on that site or that page or that store or that channel, whatever that may be. You know, that's got to have a strong affinity to what it is as a user you're going to want to be bought into and how you choose to manage that. You can choose to well, kind of spray and pray and, and hope for the best, but or you can choose to manage it really carefully and, and know that with this long-term success that these users are going to come back and, and my advertisers are going to come back to. Mm. Another issue, again, and it's not display specific, but fraud and, you know, bots and, you know, depend, I'm not even going to quote numbers because, you know, you read some of these numbers and I'm not sure I haven't gone through the verification of them, but it's one of the criticisms that a high degree of traffic is coming from um, is fraud and fraudulent um, clicks, that kind of stuff. Chris, uh, do you think... Like, first of all, what tools do we have in place um, that we we can kind of help eliminate fraud and give clients some comfort around that? Yeah, so like some stats around your fraud exist, um, but as long as you're A, buying with a reputable partner, and then you also have your own third-party technology in place mm-hmm. to ensure that you're tracking and optimizing away from things like fraud. Uh, I mean, I've only ever really seen rates uh, for my clients at around 1%, which right. is tiny. And even companies like Google also tend to refund money that they ever yeah. find is found to be fraudulent. I once got an invoice refund of $5 for three clicks from search right. years yeah. ago that they had since backtracked and realized it was fake. So like, uh, if you're working mm-hmm. with a partner that you know is going to be also looking for your best interests, they're also doing their best to give you best inventory and your reporting is in place to optimize away for it. You can stop bidding on sites or audiences or areas where you see those fraudulent levels higher. Uh, with regards to brand safety, same thing. Like you can have restrictions in place in the platforms you're buying from to be only buying categories that you see as being safe for your brand and having multiple other layers of brand safety in place to, to negate the chance of appearing next to content that you don't feel like your brand should be against. Uh, that you have limits against. And again, brand safety is something that can be fully managed as long as you're in control of it. Good point. And I think we're, I'm getting signals, we're coming close to the end of time. Well, not the end of time, the end of this podcast. And I think a couple of things that like, I think when we think about, we talked about this before, when we think about the internet, the internet was probably the only medium that was not designed or built for advertising. So, you know, we talk about like the soap opera on TV and radio was created for soap companies to sponsor and wrap content around. Outdoor has no editorial value. It doesn't serve any purpose there. And and the internet was not built. All these other channels were built for advertising um, and for an advertiser in mind. And, and the internet was built as a communications thing and it wasn't built for advertising. So I think we've maybe you know, stumbled our way around it and it it probably hasn't been a great user experience. So I just going to go back to creative for a second. Chris, do you think that in your clients, do you think that we're spending enough time in terms of creative development, thinking about that idea and, um, or is it a case that what sometimes happens is we take images from TV and just kind of lash them into a banner ad, but do you think it's, is it worth investing properly in creative for display? If you start with a bigger creative idea that matches up with your campaign or your overall brand, then start with a good creative strategy overall. But all you have to do is make sure that when you are tailoring it to display, that you are tailoring it to display. Right. You're making sure that you're meeting um, the messages aren't too long, that you're creating yeah. a storyline of imagery and colors and text that makes sense uh, and can be easily viewed in just a couple of seconds or 15 seconds as people kind of see it on, on page. Otherwise, you're going to lose the value uh, of of that short time. 
totally agree. I think that I think the smarter you can be with your creative, the better. And the more that you can make yourself stand out, and, and it probably goes without saying, the better that a user is going to respond. If I feel like somebody's really speaking to me, yeah. if it's based off what I've done before, if it's based off what I'm searching for, if it's based off my device, that's mm-hmm. when I'm going to respond well. Yeah. That's when you're just naturally more inclined to engage. So I think absolutely, and I, I totally agree with Chris in terms of if you're looking at what that looks like from the very start and you're really taking into account all of the channels, whether that's the more traditional to to digital and you're speaking to users throughout, you know, you see it in traditional advertising where you go from a bus stop into a school or whether you go from TV into a school, you know, you follow those Mm -hmm. people right through depending on who it is you're wanting to target. And I think we should be thinking the same when it comes to digital, Mm -hmm. but I think we can also bring that into digital, bring the full picture into digital. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't stop once I get off my phone, I don't stop looking at what's around me. And I think we can just be really smart as to how engage with users there. We are definitely out of time. So I'm just going to end up with, with one last thing. Chris, I think I think it is probably fair to say that display has got a, a bad rap. But uh, just to wrap up, do you want to add anything in in terms of what advice would you give people to kind of make sure that they get the most out of their displays or some top tips? Display will be bad if you let it be bad. Um, as long as you put in the time to make sure that you are connecting creative and audience targeting to your overall marketing strategy. You have it as part of an omni-channel approach and you have reporting and tracking in place. And from there, making sure that you have a conversation around um, what your targets are, that's going to start you off for Mm. a a great beginning. Yeah. I I think people, advertisers should feel really excited about Mm. what is currently available on display and what is possible through display if done well. I think that if we're using machine learning and automation in order to be able to really look and identify who it is and what it is that we're trying to mm-hmm. to achieve with our campaign, the possibilities are endless. Great. Okay. Well, that's it. I love that. Um, display will be bad if you let it be bad. I think it's a great line. So um, yeah, great. Thanks. Um, that is it. We are out of time. Before you go, Lindy, if people want to get in touch with Google for a bit of help on um, creative input and design or kind of just a bit of assistance, where can they go to, to kind of speak to somebody? Yeah, well, there is so much amazing resources on YouTube mm-hmm. um, and think with Google as well. I would definitely advise anybody out. who's looking to get some inspiration from advertisers small businesses to to global giants you can go on there and really find some cool stuff that they've been doing or give chris a shout or give chris a shout sorry yeah awesome okay great okay thanks guys uh thanks for coming in today thanks lindy thank you and thanks chris thanks guys so until next week bye bye see you everyone cheers this is inside marketing brought to you by dentsu aegis network and irish times media solutions 